Welcome into another episode of the Five for Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five for Nothing, Hundred Nothing. All right, guys and gals, welcome in, welcome back, welcome into more congestion, more whatever the hell is going on with my respiratory system, nasal cavities. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Allergy pills, Dayquil, be damned. They don't care. You know what does help though? I did the research. Did some homework. Free beer definitely helps. Because I am in my favorite hotel down in McAllen, Texas. And I did get all the free beer I could handle up to my room. So here we are. And we're going to do the Central Michigan recap kind of quickly. I wanted to try to knock it out sometime before today. But as you know, life happens and life is baseball. And this weekend it was football too. Just the way it went. Uh, my older boys had two football games on Saturday morning that ran right into kickoff. Then you had my son and older son or older younger son at two baseball games that put us at who knows what time at night. I did what I could to watch that night. Then we had three baseball games in the morning, into the afternoon. We got second place. I didn't finish watching the Central Michigan game until Sunday afternoon into dinner time. Then Monday, football practice at night. Tuesday, my youngest son's eighth birthday and baseball. So here we are. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. Cheers. It's amazing I'm able to get this podcast done sometimes. But <laughs> my wife did call me out because, you know, before I sat down to do this, I called her and I said, oh, I'm doing, you know, I'm about to do my podcast. And she's like, that's why you wanted to go out of town, isn't it? So you can do your podcast uninterrupted. I mean, I guess I'm busted because that's kind of true. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm guaranteed to have no interruptions because I don't think fucking Tommy Boy Housekeeping is coming to my door. I can get through what I need to get through. But we're going to do it quick because it's going to be a fun show tonight. We've got a special guest. Uh, he's been wanting to be on the show for uh, a while. <laughs> I was on his show way back in the day. I don't even, I, I was still in an apartment at the time. Jesus. But we're going to get him on. I want to give me and him plenty of time to talk about Ohio State, Notre Dame. So let's just jump right into this. Uh, we got Q&A too. We got, we got plenty of stuff to get done, guys. But let's do the college football roundup, as I like to do. Florida State, struggle with booty cheeks, also known as Boston College, also known as Beckham College, also known as how do you struggle if you're Florida State against Boston College. They went 31-29. They're supposed to be number three team in the country? What are we doing? That was not great, Bob. But I guess we'll find out what Florida State's really about. They got Clemson this weekend. And I'm going to... Talk about the uh, weekend slate 
of games. Not, not, we're not going to review and re- preview all that shit. But it's going to get mentioned. But they've got Florida, uh, Florida State clubs coming up. We'll see what their deal really is. We know they beat Lower Southern Utah. We're aware. I think it's more of a Brian Kelly thing than it is a Florida State thing. So, yeah. Clemson, have they figured their shit out? I don't know. We'll see. But Florida State struggles with BC. Wins 31-29. I'm not impressed. Tennessee lost to Florida. Is Florida good? Does Tennessee suck? Does the SEC suck all around? I don't know. But Tennessee did lose as a ranked team to a perceived to be not so great Florida team. Whatever. Then you got another top dog. Texas. They kind of struggled against Wyoming. They went 31-10. But anyone catch Quinn Ewer's stats? 11-21, 131 yards? That's not great. I'm just, like I'm saying, it's not great. What, what are you going to do with that? So they got their big win. Texas is hanging their hat on their huge win against Alabama. Anyone catch what Alabama did this weekend? Uh, I, I have a feeling by the end of the year that Alabama win is not going to look that fantastic. Just call it what it is. Like, Alabama is not that good. A gee whiz. Why aren't they that good? I I know I know a fella. I know a guy that could be contributing to the not-so-great Alabama offense. Because it's clear the defense is just doing their part. But maybe it's a U- U- USF thing. Maybe it's a South Florida thing for Mr. Tommy Boy Reese. Couldn't beat U- USF in a Notre Dame helmet and damn near lost as the offense coordinator at Alabama. Because he's like, oh, we're going to start Tyler Buckner. We're going to start Tyler Buckner. <whistles> that did not go well. Buckner, 5 of 14, 34 yards. <laughs> QB rating of 15.2. <whistles> like, and he's the quarterback's coach. Huh. I feel like we've seen this movie before, guys. Like, eventually Tommy Reese's little bingo... Offense is going to get found out. And Alabama, the expectations are a little bit different. I mean, they're kind of the same, but we haven't won shit in 30-something years. Alabama is not used to this. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. There we go. They got Tommy Reese. He's rolling his bingo bucking. What's the word I'm looking for? This bingo thing. Rolling and the ball comes out. Oh, got to call that play. That's the bingo ball today. Holy smokes. 17-3. to That was the final. Alabama, South Florida. Are you kidding me? But, not, you know what? I shouldn't give Tyler Buckner too much shit. He was the best performing former Notre Dame quarterback on the weekend. If you guys didn't catch that. Uh, Buckner did have the best QBR. <clears throat> but he did throw for the least amount of yards. So, there's that. And he didn't throw any picks. So, props to him. Because the other two quarterbacks, Drew Pine, he went 5-13 for 52 yards and two picks. With a QBR of 2.9. They lost to Fresno State 29 nothing. So, 
reminder, those two quarterbacks were who we were supposed to win games with last year. And the fact that they're doing this, it actually says that's pretty impressive that Notre Dame won nine games last year. That was our quarterback play. Are you fucking kidding me? And then I cannot wait for October 28th. I'm going to be in Notre Dame Stadium watching potentially your Pittsburgh Panthers starting quarterback, Phil Dracovic. If he's still starting by that point, who knows? Because he just went 8 of 20 for 81 yards and three picks and lost to West Virginia. That's not good. I mean, if I'm being honest, that's not good. So, I mean, they threw for almost as many yards as Hartman did in the first half, I think. It was close. It was close. But it's like, what are we doing? That is hilarious to me. That's why we're not sad. Reese left. We're not sad. Drew Pine left. We're not sad. Buckley left. We're not sad. Jacoby left. We're not sad. Brian Kelly left. All those people were well. Kelly and Reese contributed to what we got with Buckner and Pine and uh, Dracovic, But holy smokes! I don't know if you guys saw this. People were shitting on Tommy Reese, rightfully so. But there was a tweet that I enjoyed thoroughly. It said, "Hey Notre Dame." We are done with our free trial of Tommy Reese and Tyler Buckner and will not be renewing our subscription. Please feel free to come and get them. Sorry, no returns. No dice. They are yours. Enjoy. Enjoy. Free of charge. Enjoy. Just enjoy. Oh, man. So that was fun to watch this past weekend. But this upcoming weekend, do we have some football games? I mean, obviously, we got Ohio State Notre Dame. That's the highlight. But we got FSU versus Clemson. We'll see who's for real, who's not, I guess. I don't know. We see we got Colorado, Oregon. Oregon's going to finally shut up. Prime time! Just please go to hell. You struggled with Colorado State. You went to overtime against Colorado State. You were not good. Oregon, we're going to shut your mouth. Utah, UCLA. I don't know. Dante Moore. Who is he that good? Is Utah that good? Is Cam Rising going to play? Who knows? That could be fun. Ole Miss, Alabama. Is Bama about to catch another loss? We'll see. Two losses before the end of September? Yikes. Uh oh. Uh, Oregon State, Washington State. Now, by name, that doesn't sound that interesting. Both teams are ranked, though. That's kind of cool. But what's most interesting is they're the only ones left in the Pac-12. It's the Pac-2. And there you go. There it is. The Pac-2 are playing each other. I mean, they're going to do something, right? Because they can't just play each other every week. That'd be weird. Uh, we got Iowa-Penn State. I feel bad for Iowa-Penn State fans. I really do. And maybe Oregon State-Washington State, but... That game could be fun. Who knows? But Iowa-Penn State. That game's at 6.30. You know what else is at 6.30? Notre Dame-Ohio State. I feel bad for these people. And why, do you ask? I mean, it's pretty... Is it not obvious? Iowa's playing. That is going to be a punt fest. I mean, my goodness. I don't think that game's going to have any fireworks. Like, I just I don't see how it could. So you got that coming up this weekend. 
Um, but before we get to Ohio State and Notre Dame and how I'm not going to see the game, we're going to get there. Let's go really, really quickly through Central Michigan. All right. So I finally get to sit down and watch this game. And it took what? Not long. I love Sam Hartman. I love Sam Hartman! 75-yard, Tobias Merriweather. Thank you very much. Have a good day. That's what we need to see. That's what we're talking about. The guy, finally, finally, big plays. And the explosive plays are going to be a theme. We're going to talk about that with our guest. When I talk about Ohio State, Notre Dame, we're going to talk about it. Big plays, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh... Referees were dog shit. We're gonna talk about that. Tackling, not awesome, guys. Like we our defense had some questions, okay? They they did some things that they're not gonna work this weekend against Ohio State. They're just you gotta We gotta tighten some of that shit up. We just do. I mean the uh, the defense was suspect. I wrote it down too many times. I wrote that down too many times watching the replay. Defense was suspect. Can't have it. Got to be better. Got to be better. But you know, you know who impressed the shit of me all day. Started with the fourth and one. They're like fourth and one. Of of course you're giving it a two. You love all the And he rumbles and bumbles and stumbles. Not really. He was actually pretty fucking clean. He kept his balance. Touchdown. And that was very methodical. I even wrote it down before, like, I realized that before they flashed up the, the info, I was like, that was a very methodical drive. 11 plays, 12 minutes, 39 seconds. So, explosive play, methodical drive. That's kind of nice. But I feel like we should be scoring a little bit quicker and easier against Central Michigan. But, Whatever. Is what it is. Then we come back with another explosive play from your boy. I love Sam Hartman. I love Sam Hartman! 76 yards to Chris Tyree. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now, the only thing I'll say is number four caught that, Chris Tyree. I feel like last year's number four probably would have dropped that. And last year's number four is now the number three... Like third string corner corner back at Ohio State. I find that hilarious. You know. But it dude, Hartman started the game four or six, 174 yards, two touchdowns. Are you kidding me? Find me that stat line in the last fucking six, seven years. Find that for me. You can't. It doesn't exist. Because we didn't have that quarterback. You just didn't have it. It's non existent. So we go up twenty one seven. Yeah, I'm skipping over the Central Michigan touchdown because I don't care. Um, well, one thing I did notice, dude, we are forcing fumbles. We're forcing mistakes. We got to get on the ball. Like Thomas Harper, dude, amazing hit. Tremendous hit. Somebody get on the fucking football, please. Please. Uh, our kicker still has a leg. Just short on a 59-yarder, but damn it, it was close. Uh, just... Too many questions at on the defensive side. Just really, 
And then, uh, Central Michigan got, like, 17 tries at the goal line to make it 21-14. Not a great first half. But this is, this is where it's different. This is where it's different. Last year, Navy. I'm using Navy because that's the epitome of we didn't adjust shit. And I'm not saying, like, you only adjust. Because the thing is, you don't just adjust when you're struggling. You adjust. You got to adjust to the adjustment, right? So if you're winning 35 to whatever the fuck it was against Navy in the first half last year, you got to think, well, they're going to adjust some things, so we should plan for that adjustment and adjust to their adjustment. No, no, not Tommy Reese, not Brian Kelly. Fuck it. Just run into a brick wall. Keep doing what you're doing. And then we escape. Escape with a win. 35-10. That was the the score. It was 35-10. Because the final was, what, 35 no, it wasn't. It was 35-13 because the final was 35-20 or 35-32. Yeah. They got that Yeah. That's what it was. 35-13. Then we blew chunks in the second half. Not this week. We come out of the gates. You know, hey, you know what works? You know what works? That seems to work. It's a tremendous idea to have offense. And we get a big shot to Jaden Thomas. Of course we do, because we got a quarterback for it. Harmon runs it in, 28-14. Then, oh, estimate. I mean, it's not even estimate. It's holding stays. But estimate gets the edge. And that dude, what doesn't he have? I feel like, remember the Titans. He's mobile, agile, hostile. Versatile, all the tiles. He's got them all. He's just, he's got fucking wheels. He can run you over. He's a bull in a china shop. He's fucking the flash. Dude is awesome. Love it, love it, love it. Big drink energy. Love it. Big drink energy. I don't have that. I only got this one. This is all I got. I don't have big drink energy. I just got this. So. That gets called back for holding, though, unfortunately. 72 yards called back. Dang it. Then we have the scariest moment of the fucking game, which that's what we're talking about. Not just that play in itself where we thought Hartman blew up his knee or some shit. That was... Obviously, we know he's fine. But, God, whole season flashed before our eyes. And it looked like they were trying to fuck with his leg, too. I didn't care for that. I was not a fan of that. That should be a penalty of some kind, if you ask me. Very scary moment. Harvey got hit way too much, guys, against Central Michigan. I and I I don't know. Are we looking ahead to Ohio State? I don't. I don't know. What, what the deal was. I really don't. Uh, it's just, I I don't, I don't like how much Harvey got hit. I, I really don't. That's going to be something. We got to. Uh, think about you know uh then our defense still kind of suspect and you know we i talked about Bert emmanuel talked about Bert. he's their leading rusher he's their leading passer he actually runs more than he passes and all that like we were preparing for Bert, preparing for Bert, preparing for Bert. we got fucking ernie and we didn't know what to do wanted Bert. ernie shows up oh my god like 
I don't know how you got that thrown off by a lesser quarterback. It was it was really confusing because was it Jace Bowers? He's not. There's nothing special. At least shouldn't be against us if you ask me. But somehow, and he he wasn't. I mean, let's be honest. He wasn't. Oh, 10 to 20, 50% passer, 137 yards, and ran for 16 yards. Like, it wasn't great. But he still did some things that was like, why, 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 why is that happening? This is central fucking Michigan. Why is that happening? I don't get it. But we prepared for Burt, got Ernie, it threw us off a little bit. We end up, and the, the drive was speaking out. We held CMU to a field goal, 28 17. And those are all the points. We're going to give Central Michigan. But right after they score, boom, we hit Rico Flores, freshman, with a huge pass. And you got to love Hartman. He gives you the whole, I told you I'm good, smile back to the sidelines. That was beautiful. And how you know how I know Hartman is good? I made this little, I wrote this down. So right after that, uh, Hartman threw a pass to Greathouse. It was a little high. Hartman jumped with him. He like threw it and he was like, oh, jump, get you. He jumped. He's fine. His leg is good. Okay. Uh, then there was a play. We rushed a third down. I don't that's that I didn't like that. Very rushed. No need to rush. It's a short third down. Central Michigan. Line up. Kick their ass. Don't try to be quick about it. But then we convert the fourth down. Everything's fine. Uh and then, and, Bring back Audric Estime like a motherfucker. He hurdled once, and then you're like, oh, my God, that guy's amazing. And he does it again. And the second time, he keeps his balance. And damn near uh, took it to the house. Then Holden stays, one-handed catch. By the way, he's got the most touchdowns on the team, uh, receiving-wise, with four. He's he's great. Uh, you know, one thing I would have liked to have seen, though, is more uh, peanut butter and jelly. Because jelly got in the game, but what do you throw? Two passes? Something like that. It wasn't. He should have been in the game. So, yeah, two passes. He should have been in the game way sooner. But things happen. Whatever. Yeah, we're fine. Like, it could have been worse. We could have been Bama. <laughs> Tommy Reese's offense. Could have been worse. Speaking of that. Anyone notice the stat that flashed up on the screen? Did anyone catch it? Uh, Notre Dame has scored 40-plus points in five straight games. For the first time ever. And I, I, I realize Sam Hartman is a part of that. But still. And I realize the competition. But this goes back to last year, too. Goes back to last year too. But it was just one game. The other four are this year. But we should have been doing that more often, but Tommy Reese doesn't know how to use his personnel. Still struggling to do it in fucking Alabama. He doesn't know how to use his personnel. He's no idea what he's doing. He he doesn't understand what you're good at and how to use it. He just calls his plays because those are his plays. And I got my bingo board. I got my bingo ball. I roll them out. And the play that comes out, that's what we got to run because that's my offense. And you get 17-3 against South Florida. What the fuck? But anyway, 40-plus in five straight games. 
fucking beautiful. That's an offense. It's a real offense. We went 41-17. Hallelujah. Fucking beautiful. So, are we going to make it 40 points in six straight? I don't know. But, we're going to talk about it. We're talking about Notre Dame Ohio State. We're going to go as long as we need to. And we're going to wrap it up with some Q&A. And we're going to get my buddy in on this too. Coming right up. So now we're just going to talk Notre Dame, Ohio State till whenever we're done with this. But it's not just me tonight. We've got a guest. Uh, buddy I've known for a long time, Sean Smith. But you might know him as at under... I, I want to say the underscores already. At ND forever. But it's at ND underscore four underscore ever underscore. What's up, Sean? You know, all the ND forever was taken, so had to do all those underscores, but how you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, I know you've been asking to be on this show for a while because I don't know how many years ago it was. You had a little thing going. I was on with you, and yeah. I, was, I was still in an apartment at that time, and now I've been in my house for two years, and the apartment I was in when we did it was – my first of two apartments I had with my wife. So, God, dude, that is at least four years ago. Yeah. At, at least. So I started the streams and then just made a post on Twitter and was like, anyone want a special guest join? You said yes. And then you were part of, like, all the streams from then on. And other people would join for guests. So Yeah. Then, then, I, uh, then COVID happened. That changed so many people's lives. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But that's what got me going and doing this thing, and uh, it's it's going it's going well. It's not going as well as others, as we talked off off air, if you want to call it that, offline about uh, always Irish. He's got his ball rolling, dude. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, he, he, him right now live with singer Hyde and uh, Goolsby, um right now on YouTube. With on three, I mean, I mean that's awesome. Good for him. He's he's one of the best fans. Yeah, the fans' opinions because he's brutally honest. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, and, and we're going to talk about a lot of this stuff. You know, we're just fans. We're we're just fans. Everybody knows I'm just a fan. Uh, the the people that listen to me, follow me on Twitter. I'm I have no inside information. I'm just a fan. I have the same access as you all do. Um, but what makes us different is how we view the team, how we view the opponents, what our expectations are. There's a lot of variance there. And yeah. I know you and I get along, much like me and John from Always Irish and others that we interact with. We get along because we, we have a realistic approach and view. We're not... I'd say, I'd say expectation, a realistic expectation. Yes of how things should go um, yeah. for this program in terms of recruiting, on-the-field play, coaching, etc. Yeah, I mean, what, what was your preseason expectation, prediction? Did you make a record prediction? I don't even remember. I did, yep. I posted on Twitter saying, before anything, 10-2 uh, or 11-1, leaning 10-2. and two. Um, Then after I saw the Navy game, I was like, okay, I'm going to lean towards 
11 and 1, maybe with a loss to Ohio USC. And then after seeing how all of our opponents have played, Clemson not being as good as what we thought they would be, um, USC's defense being a little weaker and vulnerable for Sam Hartman and Andre Gestime. And then Ohio State's offensive line play, young quarterback at home. Um, I really think it's possible we could go 12 and 0 this year. I, re- I think this is a year in college football that's pretty unique. Uh, we're seeing Texas, Florida State, USC, Georgia, all these different conferences. Oh, hold on, hold on. you skipped over Alabama. Come on. Oh, Alabama, USF. All right, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this it's, it's a unique year of college football, and I think if Notre Dame does make the playoffs, um, it, it, it's going to intrigue me how they play. Um, I will say that I felt before the season started that normally, and I'm realistic and people get mad when I say this, if Notre Dame goes 11 and 1 and there's a year Michigan go or not Michigan, there's a year Michigan whatever team goes 12 and 1 and wins the Big Big 12 or Big 10, they should be in the playoff over Notre Dame. Period. But this year with this schedule, if Notre Dame goes 11 and 1, they should be in. That was before Clemson has kind of collapsed. I'm anticipating how they react well, to the Florida State game for the schedule. The, to jump in, because uh, one of my best friends, uh, who you you probably see me reference, talk to, Clemson buddy uh, from Sligo, big, went to Clemson, he covers Clemson uh, from a journalistic standpoint and all that. If you watched the Clemson-Duke game, it felt very much like Notre Dame-USF from 2011. Notre Dame dominated that game from every which angle except the scoreboard. Like, in terms of the final, like, the stat sheet was Notre Dame everywhere. The same thing with Clemson-Duke, right? So, Clemson wasn't that bad. And then, the very next week, Klubnik comes out, and I forget who the hell it was against. It was some directional school, whatever. Klubnik throws a pick six, and everybody's, oh, Clemson's in trouble. They ended up winning that game like 66-17, okay? Yeah. It blows my mind they're not ranked right now. I still yes. think they're a 20 to 25 team right now. Correct. Um, I will say that the thing with the Duke game, they dominated that whole game. But then they had um, two field goals blocked. They had a fourth and goal or in a red zone, fourth down conversion they didn't get, and they fumbled twice in the red zone. They, they were, shot themselves in the foot. They were one for four inside the red zone. One for five in scoring range because the missed field goal. That, so, I mean, if they made and executed Brian Kelly quote right there, yeah. <laughs> um, they will, uh, you know, they could have dominated that game. But a part of me is kind of happy that happened because now Duke is going to be undefeated when Notre Dame plays them. Another marquee victory. I think Louisville could be ranked when we play them. And then Clemson, if, if they're ranked when we go down there, that's four ranked wins. Oh, hold on, Sean. I, I thought Notre Dame plays cupcakes. I thought we'd never have a tough schedule. What are you talking about? You know, I hate that narrative. They always, you know what? I told my friend who's an LSU uh, fan, and he said, um, Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. And he's like, oh, they would. They don't play an LSU schedule, tough schedule. I said, okay, I agree that LSU this year has a harder schedule, and, or like usually has a harder schedule. But all because your schedule is harder does not take away the toughness of our schedule, right? 
It's not yes. Michigan. It's not Georgia's schedule. We're still playing top the, ten teams. It, it reminds me of like uh, it, it, maybe not the same analogy, but like when you're arguing Tom Brady, Peyton Manning when they were both in their prime, who's better? And if you said one was better, it was like it automatically meant the other one sucked and was the worst quarterback in the league. No. Yes, the SEC schedule is year over year probably tougher than what Notre Dame plays. That doesn't mean Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. I mean, I'm going to be real. If you want to talk Georgia schedule, I think we'd be Jeez. Arkansas. Dude. I think we'd be Mississippi State. I think we'd beat they, all these SEC teams. The, the way the SEC is going this year, I put it on Twitter. If Georgia loses a game, there is a very, very legitimate, valid argument that they should not make the college football playoff, assuming there's multiple one-loss teams. There is a legitimate argument. They probably will still make it because they're defending champs, but there is a legitimate argument to be made. If they lose one of those games, they should not be in if there's multiple one-loss teams with them, up to and including Notre Dame. If Notre Dame goes through... And only loses to USC, which, uh, to my my question to you, to spin it back to me, I said ten and two, or nine and three. I was really on that side. Like I really, it's like ten and two. I think we're gonna get uh, knocked off by Ohio State, USC. I think we're gonna get Clemson. And now, to your point, what I see, I'm more like eleven and one should be like the bar. I could see twelve and zero. And I'm yeah. and you I'm not the Shamrock glasses guy, right? But if Notre Dame goes eleven and one, uh I'm trying to think, Texas goes eleven and one, uh USC, their one losses to us, uh and just you go through the list, there's a possibility and a valid argument Georgia should not be in. They have played nobody and will play nobody. I think no matter what, this is the year Notre Dame ends that New Year's six fold drought. Period. No matter if they make the playoffs or not. And that's why part of me wishes the 12-team playoffs started this year with this type of schedule so Hartman could get a, still guarantee themselves a chance to pretty much well, try to win. And, and, and you said Hartman. That's the difference, right? The I, we, already, well, we already tested it. I can't go away from this and play the bit. Well, I could play the bit, but then you wouldn't hear it. And it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> but just, you know, the I love Sam Hartman! We know we, we, we love him, and he's the difference. And that is the difference. Uh, I, I have my, my Clemson friends will say you're full of shit, but whatever. If you put Trevor Lawrence in a gold helmet in the 2018 Cotton Ball, Notre Dame wins that game. You put Ian Book on Clemson, and it's a completely different team. We finally have that guy. Here's the problem. We only have him for this year. I mean, we beat them last year with Drew Pine, who got – who had a shot last week at the Arizona State and was benched. Dude, did you see the combined stats of the – I know you saw it, right? Buckner, yeah. Bynes, and Dracovic. Buckner, yeah, Phil, yeah. It was like zero touchdowns, five picks, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, it was 34 yards, 54 yards, 81 yards, whatever that adds up to is like Sam Hartman's first half. First quarter. First drive. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, um, but the thing is, we, yeah. but but uh, we have to capitalize, right? We have to take advantage of this because the reality is, unless there's another Sam Hartman sitting in the transfer portal, we're looking at Minchie and Jelly or Carr, and it's if we don't 
make the most of this year. I don't think we're going to go transfer next year because I do think we have solid quarterbacks that we need to give an opportunity to. But the fact of the matter is it's a junior who will have zero experience, a true sophomore, and a true freshman. You're going to take a step back, which is what Ohio State's going to do. So continue your thought, and then we're going to get into Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, I think next year is the year for that to happen. I don't know if you've seen next year's schedule, but it's probably the weakest schedule I've seen Notre Dame have since 2018. Whoa, 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 whoa. We got the $30 million A&M Aggies. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> tough game. And, I mean, Miami just it, went down there. And, I mean, you know, I'm gonna be, I think that's the year for us to have a developing quarterback, and I think C.J. Carr should, I hope by then, um, start for Notre Dame or Menchie. I really like Menchie. The thing with Angeli is, I feel like he's kind of a, a Brian Kelly type of quarterback, an Ian Book, a Drew Pine, a conservative type of quarterback, but not one that's going to win you the big game. I, I haven't seen enough from Steve Angeli yet that shows me that he can be that Sam Hartman type player. I mean, but I mean, Sam Hartman may be teaching him. Maybe they, he can, they can change my mind. But that, that's what we can hope because uh, that's a great point. Um, you consistently saw. Notre Dame quarterbacks under Kelly and Reese. It was like they were glorified game managers. They didn't do anything extraordinary. And some of them came in highly touted. In fact, my buddy from Slugo, Casey, love you, buddy, he called me out because I we, we were ragging on Pine and Buckner and Dracovic. The reality is Dracovic was a five-star at one point. Ended up at... Buckner was a five-star at one point. Exactly. They both ended up high fours. Uh, Pine was a high three-star. So, it is is that on them? Or is that on Kelly and Reese? I think it's on Kelly and Reese. And yes. So, you know, and then <laughs> the reason he called me out was all of a sudden we're claiming Sam Hartman. Well, of course we are. He's in the gold helmet. But his point was, you're trashing... Pine and Buckner and Jerkovic when it was a development issue when they spent the meat of their college career in a gold helmet and playing like crap and now you get a fully developed Sam Hartman who was not developed in South Bend at all and now you're going to claim him and it's the, the and Jelly fits that the, the mold of highly touted out of high school he wasn't developed and he doesn't really show anything that really jumps off the page at you. I mean, Angeli went from a low three star or a, a high three star, low four star. Why uh, Menchie, uh, Charles Powers, the uh, rankings um, creator at on three, said that if you know Menchie, if he wasn't hurt for one, but if if you switch Menchie from the twenty three class to the twenty four class, he would go from being like the 15th ranked quarterback to being a top five ranked quarterback in the 24 class. That's how deep the 23 class was. And then you got CJ Carr, who's a top five quarterback. And then we just landed Deuce Knight, who's a top five quarterback in 2025, top three, um, potential five star. Real quick, uh, I'm so excited about Deuce Knight, but no, when you saw that, when you saw that he no, not, what the decommitment is everything I was going to say. Yeah. No, no, I, I'm not. After the recruit, after his announcement video, I don't think so either. But when I saw he was a lefty, I didn't realize he was a lefty. I'll be honest. I had no idea. You know, I didn't realize that either. Okay. So, yeah. 
Have you ever? I played receiver. Oh, Malik Zaire. Well, no, uh. it's not, I'm not even the lucky lefty. I'm not even talking about him. But uh, I love Malik too. But I played receiver, and I've had a lefty quarterback at one point. It's weird. It it I'm I'm just it's weird. Like I'm not saying that Deuce Knight's not going to be successful because there's lefty quarterbacks, uh, Tonga Tua Valoa. All right, wait, wow, Tua Tonga Valoa, fucking uh, Boomer Esiason, uh, <laughs> Steve Vick. Young, Michael Vick. So I mean, it's it's not it, whatever, but just I didn't realize he was lefty, and I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. I mean, a lot of people were wanting. It was very interesting. The concept. bear guy. Yeah, bear and. What I will say is that I, I'm really a big fan of how Notre Dame went about this. They didn't want another Dante Moore situation, but they got lucky landing Kenny, Kenny Menchie from Pittsburgh, uh, decommitting to go to Notre Dame. Then they put pressure on Deuce Knight and said, hey, whoever commits first. And then Bear comes in, visits Notre Dame, doesn't commit. Deuce Knight's like, I'm going to commit. And something that Mike Singer said that um, I totally agree with is fans on social media are, are being idiotic on the mention saying, oh, it's too early, he'll decommit, etc. It's another Dante Moore. It's the complete opposite. Mike Singer says, Dante Moore was a silent commit, right? He publicly committed, for one, and he's already recruiting people and posting on social media. Dante Moore didn't do any of that, right? No. It's a completely different kid, completely different situation. What, did, did you see, uh, it, it was today, Deuce Knight, somebody tweeted... Uh, I don't know who the player was, that they're going to be in South Bend this weekend. And he quote tweeted it and said, future teammate. Yep, a wide receiver. Yeah. Yep. Like, He's already doing big things. I mean, they got the Terminator down there at running back in the 2025 class. I mean, Mark Freeman's done an amazing job recruiting. It, 2023 class was defensive heavy, 2024 class offensive heavy. I'm liking how he's... Dude, yes, because I you've seen people talk shit about well you had how many you had Keon Keeley decommit, you had Peyton Bowen decommit, you had Dante Moore decommit. Here's my thing. Here's here's my rebuttal to that. You're right, they did decommit. But and this might be sour grace, this might be, you know, like, oh of course you're they were at least committed under the Brian Kelly regime. They were not that was not a commitment we were getting. That was not a conversation we were having. So while yes, Getting those decommitments sucked ass. It was terrible. Especially Keon Keeley. I know. But the fact that we were there, that's that's still a step in the right direction. Even though we didn't land the guy, that is still a step in the right direction. That 100%. Marcus Freeman gives a shit. I, I put this out on, on Twitter, and it, it got a lot of uh, commentary on it. But the difference between Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman is – Brian Kelly, we, okay, we know there's limitations. Like, we know they exist at Notre Dame. Academically, ex- culturally, characteristically, all that, right? We know that exists. So yeah. I put out there that we know the limitations that exist at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's response to that was, oh, well, what can I do? Anyone know a good caddy? I've got around a golf today. Marcus Freeman says, all right, how can I overcome this? Like, there's got to be a way to overcome these challenges, and I'm going to figure it out. And he went out there and executed. Marcus Freeman's a player's coach. Brian Kelly is a consistent coach. 
It's the difference between the two of them. Dude, um, I will say the only recruitment that I was, I would say virtually upset that we weren't able to capitalize was Justin Scott. I felt like in Chicago country, that should have been an easy one. His mom's a Notre Dame fan. He grew up next to Notre Dame. That felt like a slam dunk. Um, that was the only recruitment where I was like, Freeman, like, what what could we have done different Al Washington? What could we have done different to land this kid? But if he's been to Notre Dame so many times, lived near Notre Dame, and he, he, he didn't go to Notre Dame. He was leaning Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. He didn't want to go to And there's yeah. nothing he can do with that. Well, you know, sometimes, like, you grow up around, if you're not a, uh, like, I grew up a Notre Dame fan, obviously. If I had the opportunity, I would fucking be there. But if you grow up around a certain area and you don't love that area for whatever reason, you might be looking to go not as far away as possible, but just like explore, you know what I mean? Like, and I wouldn't say Ohio is that much of a difference than Chicago. True, true. But it's, but I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, Marcus Freeman, he flipped the script. I mean, yeah, they, they just landed Kirby Lambert, two um, top fifty um, or top seventy-five ranked off, uh, player in the twenty twenty-four class. Notre Dame's got a top ten class again. Um, the, the the depth that Marcus Freeman has been providing landing the Jalen Snead types of players is something Notre Dame's lacked in recent years. Their starters go off the field, backups come in, they're not as good, they're three stars. Now we're getting these high, low four stars as our backups, right? So Yeah, um, exactly. When was the last time we were able to, to say those things? I mean, when we, yeah. go through, when we go through this preview, we're going to be mentioning true sophomores, true freshmen, yeah. That was. And I would say this is an unpopular opinion. I said today, um, I wouldn't say oh best player or best this, but total group. This is the best defensive back group in Notre Dame history in terms of talent all together. Uh, I can't agree with that. Christian Gray, a I, very good talented player. Dude, Benjamin Morrison is one of the best cornerbacks in the country. We got a great uh, senior, fifth-year senior on the other side. Um, the safeties are the only thing that I'm lacking, but unpopular opinion. You're you're gonna make me look up some shit. Look at you, look at you, because I, I I can't agree, and I I think it's because I'm almost certain Todd Light, Pat Terrell, and Jeff Burris were in the same fucking secondary, and Tom Carter, and if that's true, you you like. It's not. You're done. If that's true, you're done. Like, ah, when? When? Okay, I'm gonna look up Tom Carter first. Uh, he was in the NFL from '93 to '01, so he played Notre Dame from what '80 college career. Yeah, he was. He was there. Uh, Why can't I get his? college career but if he got drafted in 93 okay that that's all you need to know he got drafted in 93 Todd Lights he got drafted in 91 so they were on the same roster okay uh where's where's Burris
94 draft. So he definitely played with Tom Carter. Uh, fucking Bobby Taylor too, man. See, now you got me oh, going. You got me going back in the day. But uh, Pat Pat Terrell might be too old. Hold on, because he he was eighty eight. So, uh, I think I think Pat was, yeah. What well, no, I'm saying in terms of, I mean, obviously, but uh, but hold on. But you see what I I have to go back thirty years. To yeah. <laughs> to even and, find a group remotely close in talent that we have. Yeah. I mean, um, we really do have a this is this is this Notre Dame defensive back group um, is very talented. Yeah. Um, but you ready to start digging into Ohio State? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's just get into the the whole purpose why we're, we're doing this tonight and why I'm gonna have a guest for a game that. Uh, I'm gonna miss. I know you, you've seen that, right? I, you didn't know that. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm not gonna see it live. Um, <laughs> I missed last year's. Ohio That's State the only game. Game I missed last year. Okay. I missed last year's Ohio State game because I was at a wedding. Oh, oh, so check it out. I missed Clemson game last year. Okay. Well, hold on. See, so I'm gonna miss every game, bro. What's that? I said, you need to miss every game, bro. <laughs> well, that, that, so, it, excellent answer. Because the game I missed, or the reason I missed Clemson last year is the same reason I'm missing Ohio State this year. My, me and my wife's favorite band. So, I have a favorite band. It's Green Day. Has been since I was like 10, 11 years old. Uh, and she's more like George Strait country stuff. But me and her found this band together. As a couple called Ballyhoo, and we immediately fell in love. They they play it's just everything. Like there's punk rock, there's reggae. It's called beach rock, but they've got all these different vibes and just like the first time we saw them, we're like, hey, this is great. Let's go get their CD. We literally drove from Houston to Corpus, three and a half four hour drive, and listened to the album we bought two times straight through, like it was nothing. Anyway, long story short. They played in Corpus last year the night we played Clemson. I went to that show. You know how that turned out. This year, they happened to be playing in Corpus the night of Ohio State. And I was like, hey, superstitions are real for me, okay? Like, I'm good. And the reasoning, like, superstition kind of follows the real reason. The real reason is I love my wife. I want to do some stuff with her. But also, like, I can't record Ballyhoo and go watch it later. I can record Notre Dame, Ohio State, and watch it whenever I want. I'm just going to turn off all of my notifications. I'm going zero dark 30 to the T. Dude, I, I'm watching it as if it's live. I'm, I'm not going to be checking my phone. I'm not going to be doing all that shit because I want the emotion to be real when I watch it. I want exactly. this. I, like when it Benjamin. Like highlights. Yes. When Morrison returned that fucking touchdown against Clemson last year. Dude, that was for me. That was live. It was fucking midnight when I ever watched it, but it was live to me. So I'm gonna miss it, but it's okay. It's okay. I promise it's okay. Hey, I mean, respect, respect. By the way, um, my wife and I just went to a Three Doors Down concert here in Atlanta about two, three weeks ago. Um, so this is the top three band for me. I'm a big Nickelback fan, Three Doors Down fan, and Hinder fan. 
to my three favorite bands. Okay. Um, so you got the same genre. You got that same. They're all in the I same. I love that genre. My, my wife's more of a an, an 80s type feel. She likes the uh, some of these bands. But we, we bond over this band called Greta Van Fleet. Okay. Um, so I like it. I wish they would come down here for a conference. No, but, yeah, but, um, but, but yeah, the, I'm, I'm kind of glad you're missing the game now because yeah. now I'm going to feel like we're going to win, right? And, and the reason the reason I won't miss Ballyhoo is because so my, my musical taste is all over the fucking board. Uh, yeah. Green Day, Real Big Fish, they're big ska punk guys. Beastie Boys, that's rap, hip hop with some punk rock undertones with guitars and shit, but. I bring up the Beastie Boys because I never got to saw the Beastie Boys live. I had one opportunity. I was in college. It was 2004. And I don't remember the specific reason why I didn't go. And that's the sad part. It was a family thing. I don't remember what it was. But I didn't go. I had an opportunity. didn't go. And I never got to go because MCA passed away. Got, had throat cancer. And I was like, man... I never got to see the Beastie Boys. So I'm never going to miss an opportunity to see one of my favorite artists if I can because when are you going to see them again? Yeah, I mean, that's why I went to the Three Doors Down concert. It's uh, They're getting old. I've never gotten to see them. I grew up on that music with my dad. And I was like, oh, I don't know how much longer they're going to do this for. But at the concert, he was like, you know, this is our 20th anniversary. Here's the 20 more. I was like, good luck with that. But Yeah, um, it, and there is a fine line between I need to see them versus can I afford to see them? Because I don't know if you know, but Blink-182 went back on tour. Yes. They got back together. The Mark, Tom, and Travis show is back, back in full force. But they are charging outrageous amounts of money to, oh, yeah. to see their fucking I mean, faces. Gonna, I, spent, I spent for three tickets. My mom came to my, my wife and I. It was $120 for three tickets. Yes, I Green Day. The most I've ever spent for Green Day. Oh no, I got it. So the most I spent with just Green Day involved was uh, ninety dollars, and I was in the pit per ticket. So for me and my wife, it was one eighty. But within that ninety dollars, there was forty dollars of concession money. You had a coupon. It had like a little barcode. It was twenty bucks. Beer was part of that inclusion, so I got twenty dollars a beer. So I really what one beer? Nah, it, it's actually like two, but <laughs> but like seventy bucks to be in the pit at Green Day. But then I paid almost uh, what was it, one hundred like thirty a piece to be in the seats. But it was the Hella Mega Tour. It was Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer. Yeah, they they got you there, like. I can't do pit. Um, I just feel like that's where a lot of like chaos happens. Oh, so I, I like that. to just sit back, relax, and just oh, just fuck. listen. Um, chaos is where it's I, at. I'm 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 definitely wanting to. Uh, I mean, the, for me, when it comes to concerts, I remember a ton as a kid. But one I remember is my dad took me because he couldn't find a babysitter, and he knew it wasn't appropriate. And I was like eight years old, and I still remember it. We went to a Rev Theory, Buck Cherry, Papa Roach. Ben uh, Sevenfold concert. Oh, legit. Um, so, and we saw people in the pit, and I was like, uh-uh. "Well, at eight but years I mean, old, yeah. no." Yeah, you're right. I mean, even at Three Doors Down, they they were like a little pit area, and 
was like, eh, you know, I'm just going to sit here and enjoy. Well, see, so my, my wife doesn't totally love the Green Day pit experience, but the Ballyhoo pit experience, like I said, it's reggae rock, like beach rock. That's their vibe. It's mostly chill stuff. They have some punk undertones, and there's a couple punk songs that get you a little fucking hyped. But uh, the pit is tolerable. But it's funny. We've been to, uh, I don't even know how many Ballyhoo shows now, because they, they, their tickets are 20 bucks a piece, dude. And they play these small venues, and it's fun. But there was one guy just going ape shit, and we're like, this is not the vibe. What are you doing? This is not the vibe. Like, so, like, people were intentionally throwing elbows, hoping to knock his ass out. Not because yeah. it was the pit and we're raging. It was like, he needs to chill the fuck out. Yeah. I mean, I will say that before we talk about Ohio State, when it comes to concerts, um, I w- was about to, a month before, my friend got tickets for me and him to go to Lincoln Park a month before he died. Oh, my God. That was probably Dude. the only one that I was like, dang. And then actually here in Georgia, they have a fair this month, um, or actually two weeks away from now, and they have select artists for each day for the fair when there's food and stuff, and Smash Mouth was going to be there. So we were going to go to the day of Smash Mouth, too. So Yeah, so you, you get the feeling. You understand that, like, if you have the opportunity, fucking take it, because you never know. You never know. And that's, that's why this year, I mean, I've never been to a USC Notre Dame game. I haven't been to a game in five years. My wife got me tickets for Notre Dame USC. So we're going to be down there in South Bend. You know, so. and, uh, I had a uh, shout out to Finding Irish Faithful. Um, you know him, right? Ed, Ed Faithful underscore Irish. I don't know. He, he, I'm sure you do. He, he's all about scotch and spreadsheets, man. But uh, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he's a uh, Notre Dame alum from a from a graduate standpoint. He got his undergrad mm-hmm. at Gonzaga. But uh, I, you know, vocalized like, "Hey, I'd love to go to a game. It's just so tough. I'm fucking. I'm three hours north of Mexico, dude. Like <laughs> I'm so far away. It's just tough to do. But um, he gave me the opportunity to uh, through him get some tickets to really any game I wanted to go to. And obviously the price is going to vary depending on which game it is and whatnot. But I also had to plan the schedule around my kids and whatnot. But we're going to the pit game, uh, me and my wife. We're going to the pit game. So, and uh, the the biggest thing that uh, Joe, Fighting Irish Faithful, did was um, I don't have to pay for lodging. I'm staying with him. So, perfect. Yeah, that was a hell of a deal. But I, I feel you, man. You, like you got to take advantage of those opportunities because. Those are whether it's a concert or Notre Dame game, those are memories you can't replace. Like Yeah, I mean, my dad was at the Bush Bush and that's the only uh, USC Notre Dame game he went to. Um and that's a memory that the, my grandparents and dad had. The, the only Notre Dame USC game I've been to was post O. J. Simpson trial. And we were sitting right behind the USC band. Do you remember when Golden Tate jumped into the Michigan State band? Yeah. Okay, so picture USC band members, not Ohio, uh, not Michigan State, USC band members, and we're right, be- we're right five rows back. And USC has this song. I don't even know what the song is, but they play it all the time, and it goes, dun, 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 dun. And four guys behind me and my dad, 
every single time. Slash, 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 and stab, slash, and stab, slash, slash. <laughs> That's what college football is all about, baby. Exactly. There's nothing like it. It's the greatest sport, which is why the environment for this weekend at Ohio State Notre Dame has to be like that. I want a bracelet. You to talk about it? Yes, I want a bracelet. Can someone, can someone listening get me a fucking bracelet from the stadium? I want one of those bracelets. Do you hear about the bracelets? At home, just... Do you, do you know about the bracelets? Huh? Have you heard about the bracelets? Oh, yeah. Those green bracelets? Oh, it's going to light up the stadium. I saw them on uh, Twitter. Well, here, it's... There's, there's, if I can get my camera right, there's two parts of that. The bracelets are awesome if Notre Dame fans show up and don't sell their tickets. Because you know there's going to be a section that the visiting section gets. They're not going to be lit up. They're going to, I don't know what they're going to do with their bracelets, but they ain't going to fucking use them. This is not the game for these 60, 70-year-old fucks to just sit and watch. Um, this is the game for people to get wild. If you want to just sit and watch, how about you go watch Tennessee State, right? So, I mean, if, if I want to stand up and watch the game, I'm going to stand up and watch the game, right? There's no, this is my seat. I paid Dude. my money to have my experience. You're not going to tell me to sit. How about you stand? How about you get wild? Don't resell your tickets because your money's more important than the football team. Yeah. Care, show up. You yes, know? exactly. You know, this is, Notre Dame's just a three-point underdog. When was the last time Notre Dame against a team named Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, uh, etc., was just a three-point underdog? I, I don't have the answer, so it, it's, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is a long fucking time. We don't have the answer because it's been that long. But Notre Dame coming in 4-0, Ohio State's 3-0. I, how do you feel about Notre Dame's 4-0? I'll, I'll t- real quick, I'll tell you. I feel like for the first time in a long time, we are ahead of the quote-unquote curve. Meaning, you're starting a new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, all these different things that you expect. Okay, we're not going to look perfect in the beginning, but we are looking better than we've looked through – the first few games in a long time to where teams are going to get better as they do throughout the season. We're finally ahead of that where then you look at Ohio State and we'll talk about that. But how do you feel about Notre Dame's 4 no start? You know, um, like I agree ahead of the curve. It's not like we're playing Ball State and Vanderbilt right now with Ian Book. Um, so um, we're winning games by a lot. Our defense is playing stout. Our offense is scoring. I mean, when was the last time Notre Dame had 50 seconds before halftime and the coach says, how about you go move the ball down the field to score? Right? That's insane. That's insane. and It just doesn't happen. I will say I do have complaints about that. I know you had your Central Michigan talk, but I uh, do have complaints about how the defense played against Central Michigan. Um, I understand that Bertram was gone, but I do not like the two linebacker set bringing a safety down and having one safety back. Uh, I think they should have played Snead or Drake Bowen a little bit more to have some development there against Central Michigan. And, I mean, they, we were getting slashed with two linebackers there in the field and bringing a safety down. Um, I'm glad Bertrand's back. 
Our defense was missing tackles all over the place. Um, but that's the only sloppy game I think we've had so far this year. Um, and I think that they were just looking ahead for Ohio State. Um, so this is this is Notre Dame's ahead of the curve. And for, this is why I said the 10-2 is going to 12-0 for me. Clemson struggles. Ohio State, they have not looked good. They've struggled. Yeah, they won by 20, 30 points against who they played. They struggled with Indiana. They struggled with Youngtown State for a bit. Like, Dude, they, they only beat Youngstown State thirty-five to seven. Forget struggled. It's Youngstown State that uh, I realize they they might be better than Tennessee State, but they're FCS. Both of them are FCS. We won our game. What fifty-two to three? No. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Fifty-two to three. They won thirty-five to seven, and yes, they beat Western Kentucky sixty-three to ten. They finally named the court. That game was fourteen ten in the second quarter. I know they, they they beat, but they were supposed to win those games, you know. Uh, but going back to the Central Michigan point, something I said before you got on with me was Sam Hartman got hit way too much, and I do think they did look ahead. You know, as far as the defensive side, I made the joke because it didn't make sense to me. I made the joke that like we were expecting Burt Emanuel. We were expecting Burt to be the quarterback, and we got Ernie, and that threw us all off. Like, I don't understand. How did you – like, did did we plan so hard for one quarterback that when the other one showed up, literally unbeknownst to a lot of people, did that really mess up the cohesion and how we were going to play a defense and what we were going to do? Because I think that had part a lot to do with it because if you, look, if you looked at the game before – no, uh, Notre Dame Central Michigan the quarterback that was supposed to play was a run first quarterback so much so that he had more rushes than pass attempts throughout the season so far so I do think maybe that for a young player like Bowen and Sneed that might have made them a little uncomfortable in Central Michigan right no, that's exactly that's I mean like I I could justify it if it was somebody at the Power 5 level, but it's it's Central Michigan. Yeah. Um, like, I don't I, get I, it. I, I think, I mean, once we go in depth, I know you have a bunch of questions or and uh, that you've had for the Hostage Notre Dame game, and once we start analyzing this game, uh, I'm going to go in depth on the, the matchups of this game. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, so when, when you look at... Uh, and we'll talk about Ohio State. They they beat Indiana twenty three to three. They beat Youngstown yeah. State thirty five to seven. They beat Western Kentucky six three to ten. When you talk to Ohio State people, they're like, "Wow, we 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 already played a Big Ten opponent. We just beat the most prolific offense in the last three seasons at the G five level." It's like I'm sorry. I didn't realize Indiana and Western Kentucky were the freaking litmus test on being awesome at football. Like, come on. Like, seriously? Because let's be real. If you take all seven games, four from Notre Dame, three from Ohio State, the best opponent of all player teams played was North Carolina State. Yep. And, and I mean, Notre Dame had a rain delay where they probably wanted to go home after two hours. That and they still played the way they did. So that that's another part of this. So 
Uh, real quick, just to finish the Central Michigan thought, like we went forty-one to seventeen, and we're still talking shit about little things here and there, and we still won forty-one seventeen. That's a good place to be because the Brian Kelly era, we be talking about it, and we won twenty-four seventeen. Yeah. Uh, but the North Carolina State game, that is the game I key on when I think about what Notre Dame can do because it was expected to be not great weather. Okay, and it it wasn't. It rained before. And then it stopped, but then obviously the huge, the almost two-hour delay. But it wasn't going to be perfect conditions. And Notre Dame still made it work. But then the delay. Uh, the delay was, okay, what's about to happen? That was Parker and Freeman's opportunity to say, we can adjust, we can come out of this, and we can do something great. And they did it last week, too, against Central Michigan. It was 20, what, uh, 14 at the half. And then, then it wasn't, right? It was close when that lightning delay happened with North Carolina State. Came out of the delay, and then it wasn't. And then Andre Gastamay happened. He ate that hot dog, and then he just sprinted. And, and I, I haven't looked in depth on Ohio State's 23-3 win against Indiana. I do know they held Indiana 153 total yards. That's impressive. I, I, Indiana's a P5. So I realize they're on the lower end of the spectrum, but holding a Power 5 opponent to 153 total yards of offense is impressive. I will give them that. Okay? But much like Alabama holding South Florida to three points, that's great. Fucking, you only scored 17. Ohio State only scored 23 against Indiana. If, if their offense is only good enough to produce 153 yards, their defense should not be holding you to 380. And that's what happened. Yes. Ohio State had 380 total yards against Indiana. But then they'll tell you that, well, we're averaging 471 yards a game, 23 in the country. I'm like, yeah, and the only opponent that actually has talent and scholarships that nobody, anybody gives a shit about held you to 380. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, I will say a weakness. Sorry, the weak spots that Ohio State have are an experience at the quarterback position, and they have probably one of the worst offensive lines I've seen in college football this year in terms of tackle. Uh, specifically left tackle. Um, don't want to call them out, but, I mean, he does not look good. The receivers are great, and that's just about it. I mean, other running backs are really good, too. Um, well, defense is fine, but, I mean, the, 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 the game-changing aspect of Ohio State where they're struggling is an experienced quarterback and offensive line play. Yeah, well, the, the offensive line is key because uh, what was the, I think, left tackle – it might have been right tackle. Well, they lost both their tackles. Okay, they lost the right and the left. But I think it was the left. He was starting for the Cleveland Browns the other night. So yeah, I mean, Paris Campbell uh, just got drafted. I'm a Cardinal fan, and he went top five, or he went like first top ten to the Cardinal. And he looks impressive. So now they're having to replace that. I mean, here's 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 what I always say that Notre Dame fans when they're like, "Oh, do do you think we can win?" Notre Dame went to Ohio State last year with Tyler Buckner and led into the fourth quarter. <laughs> uh, hold on. R- remind me real quick, Sean. If, okay, I don't know if you remember. What did Tyler Buckner do this past weekend? 
He did not look good in South Florida. Exactly. And that, 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 that's such a, a great point because I think that's – you can look at Kyle McCord and be like, okay, yeah, well, against Indiana – and I don't know how they – I I should have broken it down more, but uh, I just looked – 237 Tony yards passing. Was that Devin Brown? Was that McCord? Was it both of them? I don't know. But Kyle McCord, as the starter, threw for 358 against Western Kentucky. That's great. But, again, Indiana, the only legitimate opponent, which I don't even know if that's legitimate enough, held them to 380 and 237 passing, where Youngstown State and Western Kentucky are the same as looking at what Sam Hartman did against freaking Navy and Tennessee State. Like, it doesn't hold a lot of water. And that's – Kyle McCord's going to be the difference. I know he's a junior. I get it. He's been in the system, so he's got some familiarity. Yeah. But he has not been made uncomfortable yet. And he will be. Exactly. We got two left tackles, or two left tackles. Well, that's a hell of an offense, two left tackles. Two tackles, a right and a left, that are brand new. And uh, you got to imagine, uh, what's his, John Baptiste, what's his first name? Ja, it's JJB, but. Yes, it's uh Javante. Yeah, Javante, John Baptiste. You gotta think he's got a special kind of, like I just he's from he transferred from Ohio State. He's gotta have a special little fuck you in him. I mean, you gotta you can say the same for Lorenzo Styles if he plays. Right? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. If so, he plays, exactly, exactly. If he plays, you know Baptiste is gonna be on the field along with uh, Burnham and uh, Botello, and that's. Our D-line is deeper than we initially thought. I yeah, Yes, but I think that's the weakest part of the team. It, it is. Uh, I probably. mean, I, I, especially interior, I love Jason Anye and I love Riley Mills, but I want to see them. What about Howard Cross? And, and Gabriel Rubio coming back. He's coming so, back, yeah. But I, I want to see them translate those practice reps you hear about um, be consistent in real games uh, playing time like to where they're like they're throwing Blake Fisher oh you hear Riley Mills just truck through Joel and Blake Fisher why is he not doing that against worser worser offensive linemen so it's um, defensive line I mean that, and that's not saying much we have a great defensive line that just shows how deep the rest of the team is if that's our my biggest worry is defensive line in this game yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and but I, uh, that's where the game is really gonna be. I would say say one necessarily because there's offensive side that we can that we got to talk about for Notre Dame, but defensively, it's going to be making Kyle McCord uncomfortable because the the leading rushers for Ohio State aren't that special. Right? Is it's kind of funny. The, the numbers don't really show a lot. The 191 yards for Henderson, 133 for Trey. I, Trey, man, I don't even know how to say it. Actually, I will say that Henderson um, for Ohio State, um, uh, I made a very unpopular opinion. Um, I think, I, I, obviously, I'd rather have Audrey Gastonay right now. He's a different breed. Um, 
But when I translate to NFL success, I think Henderson could be a very every down running back. Um, and I think Andre is more of a um, substitute in goal line type running back in terms of the NFL. Um, hopefully he proves me wrong with that. I love Audrey Gestamay, but I think Henderson's one of the best running backs in college football. Well, they, the Ohio State doesn't seem to think so. Because like, I'm saying that because you got Henderson, Trey, tra- I don't even know how to say it, Trayman, Trayman, and William, Micah, Mike, was it Mikael Williams or whatever? Whatever. Henderson, yeah. Williams, and Trayman. Henderson has 30 carries. Tremont's got 19. Williams has 18. Okay? They're, it's not obviously a 50-50 split, but it, Henderson and then the other two, it kind of is. Whereas you look at the way Notre Dame's given the ball to the running back, 63 carries for Estime, and then 18, 19, and 16 for Love, Payne, and Price. So yeah. if Ohio State thought Henderson was – a every down back, he should be tripling up the other runners like Estime is. Estime has got more carries than the other three combined, whereas that's not the case for Henderson. And when you look at the running back's production, I realize, okay, I realize Notre Dame's played four, Ohio State's played three games. But the top two running backs for Ohio State have combined for 324 yards, 6.6 a carry, and five touchdowns. That sounds good. That's fine. Notre Dame's top two running backs, Love and Estime, 640 yards, 7.9 yards a carry, and six touchdowns. In order for Ohio State's running backs, their top two, to match Notre Dame's through four games, they have to run for 314 yards against Notre Dame on Saturday. That's not happening. Now, you could say, well, that's because Ohio State has these great receivers, which that's true. But the yardage totals still don't the, – the, the reason the individual receiver numbers look bigger for Ohio State is because they do have a Marvin Harrison Jr. They do have a, uh, a Buka. They, do, they have those guys, right? We don't have that. We don't have a wide receiver one. We have a wide receiver wherever the fuck's open getting the ball. That's what we have. Like, do you know how many receivers have caught a ball for Notre Dame this year? I'm sorry? How many receivers have caught a ball for Notre Dame this year? Uh, every single one, except for Berlin, Braylon James. <laughs> um, That's right. So, um, 16. yeah, I mean, 16 Notre Dame has been 16 spreading. different players. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd argue Jane Thomas probably is our number one target. But, I mean, I saw a post today. Um, I don't know if that made me feel good or bad. But CBS posted saying comparing Notre Dame's wide receivers and Ohio State's, and it was um, Harrison Jr. having like 410 yards and two touchdowns, and Chris Tyree having like 300 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, Chris Tyree just translated from running back. Well, and his- the the problem is they went by yardage because that yeah. so that that bothered me too. They're comparing Har- Harrison Jr. to Tyree. I'm like, uh, well, that's not fair in. So many ways. Uh, but they took the yardage. But the most catches is Jaden Thomas. Um, but he's uh, 30 yards behind Tyree. But Tyree has a 50-something, you know, 54-yard catch and a 76-yard touchdown. So kind of inflating his numbers. 
you know, but uh, but that's another thing that we we need to talk about is explosive plays, and we'll get there. But uh, you look at Notre Dame doesn't have that wide receiver one, but they've got so many options that can make plays that Hartman's got over a thousand yards and thirteen touchdowns. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Fifteen if you count the rushing. So true. I mean, I mean. He's just special, and that's all you can say. I mean, 13 touchdowns, over 1,000 yards. He's on pace right now to have what? 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 28 touchdowns? 38 to 40 touchdowns? I like the way you did that math. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I was struggling. I was like, <laughs> I was letting uh, you go. <laughs> But he, uh, I mean, he's the best quarterback Notre Dame's had since Freddie Quinn. Yeah, I always keep saying it. I know. And, you know, they're explosive plays. We'll just talk about it now. I mean, people have been saying, well, they're just all these explosive plays. That's why they're winning. And I was like, it's great. Finally. When was the last time Notre Dame won because of explosive plays? Now, I think Notre Dame has more explosive plays so far this year than they had total last year. That is correct. That is yeah. 1,000% correct. And it's not just Sam Hartman. It's not just actually putting young guys in the game. It's an offensive mentality, and it's, it's an identity that we haven't had. We finally got rid of the – BK mentality. Reese was still part of that. Let's call it what it is. He was still part of that shit. And he's gone. And all of a sudden you see 40 plus points in five straight games. First time ever in Notre Dame history. Well, golly, what what a coincidence. Reese leaves the genius offensive coordinator. Now we can score points on everybody. And they're going to, well, it was Navy and it was Tennessee State. And it was Central Michigan. That's fantastic. What happened against Ball State, Toledo, fucking... Uh, Vanderbilt. The list goes on. You compare Alabama to to USF, Florida State with Boston College, like just exactly. So I don't want to hear who he played. It hasn't been done. We've had opportunities and we shit the bed. So let's like we what we said earlier. We both agree we're ahead of the curve. We didn't struggle. With the teams we've been struggling with, even fucking last year. The Stanford game, everybody wants to throw that shit in our face. The Marshall game, I, I don't really have a whole ton of defense. Bumped her through a pick six. The ski, the offensive plan was terrible, whatever. Defense wasn't that great either. But the Marsh, the Stanford game specifically, <sighs> Diggs and Estime had 17 carries total and averaged 6.8 yards a carry. Why did they only have 17 carries? Why did Drew Pine throw the ball 27 times when we have two guys running the ball for damn near seven yards a carry? That's because Tommy Reese doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And, like, dude, running the ball works. And what do we – oh, we lose fucking 16 to 15 or whatever, 15 to 14, whatever the stupid score was. It was a joke. I mean, you know what opens up the passing game is running the ball. Well, if you don't have a quarterback to throw, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, Drew Pine was atrocious last year. Exactly. When you look at what Drew Pine did last year versus what Sam Hartman's doing this year, 
Like, it's, you know, <laughs> that's why I said it's almost like we weren't even trying at the quarterback position the last five to six years. And as we talked about earlier, I realized they were highly touted recruits. But the fact of the matter is the production just wasn't there. And we yeah. finally have a quarterback that has uh, – well, how old are you? I don't even remember. You're, I know you're younger than me by far. 24. 20, I knew – I was going to say 25. Okay. I knew you were younger than me. This is the first time you're seeing a quarterback of this caliber to where like, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like? Because the last time in my memory, maybe Jimmy Clausen, but really Brady Quinn? Yeah, I mean, I watched a little Jimmy Claw, uh, Brady Quinn when I was young. Okay. Um, but the main one I remember was Clausen. I do remember Clausen a good bit. Um, yeah. Because I would watch every game with my dad growing up. But the, 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 beauty, the beauty of this team, when you look at, like, okay, Quinn or Clausen, and now you've got Hartman. Clausen specifically, not so much Quinn, but really Clausen, never had a defense to match what he was doing with the offense and Floyd and Tate and all those guys. Hartman finally has a defense to to link up with what he's doing offensively, whereas the Drew Pine and even Cone and some of Book, like there were these great defenses. You look back to fucking Diaco and Elko and uh, Freeman, now Golden. Great defenses. Uh, who, oh, uh, Clark Lee. I skipped him. These great defenses. And we had offense worth a shit to match it. Like, if you're giving up 20 points or less, i.e. Marshall, Stanford, you should be winning football games if you're Notre Dame. You should be able to score enough points to beat those teams. Yes. Now, it's a non-issue. Like, again, we're complaining about a 41-17 to win against Central Michigan. We were not thrilled with the way the North Carolina State game started so close where we felt like we should have beat them, uh, been more dominant, and we still won 45-24. So we're winning games by three touchdowns or more, and we still have gripes. Whereas the same gripes previous years led to one possession – Maybe two possession victories. Yes. And now we're winning by three to four possessions. Right? Shows the difference in level of mentality. I wouldn't say talent, but in terms of leadership and mentality brought to Notre Dame. Something I've always argued is that Brian Kelly will win you the games you're supposed to, but when it comes to the big games, I always felt like he, he the preparation the, the confidence in those big games was just not a thing. I mean, Marcus Freeman's already beaten Clemson in just one year. I feel like he can comp, uh, make his team a lot more confident than what Brian Kelly could. Just saying. It, it would, Brian Kelly was playing not to lose. That's the only... You, you, uh, Herm Edwards, you're playing to win the game. And yeah. Mar, uh, Marcus Freeman, I was... Sorry, Marcus, I didn't mean to say that. Brian Kelly was playing not to lose. He designed his whole game plan around not getting blown out. And you know what? It it looked it looked good and we use it. I'll be honest, I use it. I'm not gonna deny it. You know, we played Alabama closer than uh 
Who the fuck did, did that year? Ohio State. And we played. Oh, yeah. But uh, Clemson played uh, uh, Alabama. But, yeah, we can use that. It sounds great and wonderful. But the reality is that game plan was designed to be like that. It wasn't designed to win the game. It was designed to not get blown out. And now Marcus Freeman is, like, you calling timeouts. Hey, we got 50 seconds. Go. Whereas Kelly would not be using those timeouts. He just like knee it before the half and just go into halftime. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I mean, what would you say are um, for this weekend? Um, if we had to go position by position, who would you lean has the better position groups? So if I start out with quarterback, that's between. The- Huh? That's Notre Dame, no doubt. There's no doubt. Okay, running back. I I still think Notre Dame. I I really do. Okay. Wide receiver. Ohio State, not even close. Tight end. That's tough. Yes. I think that. I think Let's that's even. even. Right. What? Let's say even, just for the fun of it, right? I I think even. Okay, offensive line. Notre Dame. Okay, now we're on defense. Defensive line. Probably Ohio State. Agreed. I agree with all your points so far. Um, linebackers. I'm so for say, me, that, that's an even one because I feel like they have better talent at linebacker, but we, we have more, better experience. Yes, that's, that, that, was the, that was what I was doing in my head. I was like, talent, experience. I'm like, so I'm going to go I, even is fair. Defensive backs. I, I, I picked out of them. I do. I do, too. Uh, you know, I know... Who is the better head coach? That's tough. I I'm, I got to say Ryan Day, strictly because of experience. Strictly because of experience. Oh. He's been to the I would, playoff. He's, I agree with all your points. Yeah. And I will agree with Day. But I would the only one that I picked different from you is Freeman because I feel like he's a player's coach. Yeah. Um... But I just think they, they see more shit that whether he's handled it well or not, I don't know. It's hard to say. But I just think he's yeah. seen more stuff that gives him an edge in terms of the, these types of games. I just don't think Freeman's but, been in this situation enough. So going through all these um, position groups, without the tied ones, Notre Dame led more than half of them. Yep. Led 75 to 80%. Yep. So if Notre Dame is better than eighty percent of position groups, I mean, I wanted to talk about that because I, I, I do feel like Notre Dame in terms of um, talent on the field on Saturday, there's no excuse of, hey, it's Ohio State. Like, I think this is a team that we are we could definitely be better than, if not are better than. Oh, 100%. I, I, I think Notre Dame's going to win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's even if even if Ohio State wins, it's not going to be a blowout. It, the teams are too, both are too good, legitimately. Notre Dame finally has the one piece that was missing. You look at last year. You've already talked about it. Uh, with Buckner, we kept the game close. They had C.J. Stroud, and the game was still close. And so, you're flipping it. Now, instead of at Ohio State, at Notre Dame, you flip the good quarterbacks. 
Exactly. Exactly. And we're wearing all green. So, I mean. I know. And the, the lights and the it's, it's going to be an electric environment. I really feel like, I mean, of course, there's going to be Ohio State fans there. But I don't think it's going to be like Georgia or Cincinnati. I think uh, that it's going to be majority green. I don't either because I, I, I firmly believe. You just look at all the little shit. Go back to last year, the uh, reveal of the Shamrock Series Las Vegas uniforms. This year, the green uniforms. All this stuff Marcus Freeman has been doing, people are excited about. Notre Dame? Yeah, exactly. They're finally excited. I'm about to sneeze. Bless you. Uh, well, <laughs> it went away. Um, yeah, they're finally excited. So, yeah, people are going to be there. And it's going to be exciting. It's going to be intense. And it's going to be just very, very different. But, yes, forget all the extracurriculars, the the wristbands and the green uniforms and all that stuff. On the field, though, if you, put, you play last year's game out the same exact – kind of way but put Hartman under center at Notre Dame we'd probably win that game right I mean shit Uh, the longest pass well he only was the first play of the game to Lorenzo Styles for like 50 yards in that game 54 yards I know but I think that was Buckner's longest pass of the year now granted I know he he only played in three games or four games whatever the hell it was but Still, Harvey's done that every game. <laughs> like, yeah. and more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You could say, well, Buckner only played X number of games. That's fantastic. Buckner's, or Buckner, Harvey's had one of those in every single game he's played. If not two or three. Yeah. When I was talking to my dad about Central Michigan, I was like, when was the last time we talked about multiple. 40-yard passes, by the way, by four different receivers. By the way, one was from a true freshman and one was from a true sophomore. Because I went off on this tangent with him about Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin. I still think, it still bugs me, it's still bullshit, that we got to see these guys for one season. They got to show out for one season, then they went pro. And you're like, hold on, wait a second, time out. We've had these guys on our roster, and they're not on the field. What's the deal? Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah, it's too complicated. It's, they, they couldn't figure out what we're doing. Chemistry, we're playing football. Why is it so fucking hard to get on the field? Yeah. Now you got Rico Flores and Jaden Greenhouse and uh, Merriweather, who's, again, last year was under the BK Reese regime. Or no, Freeman was there, but the Reese offense couldn't do shit. Because Reese's fucking problem is... He wants to do Reese's thing. He doesn't want to look at your personnel and go, okay, who's really good? What are you good at? How can we make use of it? No, 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 no. I need, to, I need you to run my shit the way I want you to run my shit. If you can't do it, you're not playing. That's a ridiculous yeah. way to run a college athletic. Because the NFL, that might fly. Because you get, they're NFL athletes. They're the 1% of the 1% of the 1% athletes that can make it to the NFL. But we're talking about college kids? Dude. Look at your personnel. See what you got. Yeah. What's some other notes you got on that for topic about Ohio State Notre Dame? Well, I found it funny that we're way more balanced than they are. 
that despite being inexperienced at quarterback, there's still a pass-first offense. There's still a pass-first offense. And that's why I think we can fully take advantage of that. We can take advantage of that. Because if you don't want to give it to whether you're in, not comfortable with your run blocking with two new tackles, well, shit, are they ready for pass blocking two against? Yeah. I think we're, we're, we're going to be fine as in the boundaries. Um, um, that's where I think Notre Dame is going to keep Ohio State in check. I think the question is, is – Middle of the field slot. Um, Will it be what you think, Jaden Mickey or what? Well, I love Jaden Mickey, but uh, or Harper. Hart, Who you put there? And uh, with Cam Hart and um, Morrison, Benjamin Morrison on the boundary. I mean, they're going to be locked down. They're probably only going to have the option to throw in the middle of the field the short, intermediate passes. Um, there's going to be a lot of man to man. I could see, I mean, uh, obviously uh, they're going to blitz a lot to try to get some pressure pressure on, on um, oh, I almost said Devin Brown. <laughs> oh, by the way, real quick for all the listeners, including yourself, if you see number 33 under center, that is Devin Brown, the backup quarterback. It's not. Yeah, yeah uh, Kyle McCord. Um, yeah. I don't, I just don't get it. I really don't. I, I, I feel this is the most confident I've been. And Notre Dame playing a top 10 team besides USC and Stanford over the years that I've ever been. I'm pretty confident, to be but, honest. Just, I mean, Sam Hartman effect, call it, but. No, I, I am too. But, but it goes back to Sam Hartman because what you, what you said, you were talking about uh, Hart and Morrison having a lockdown on the outside, you know, one on one, whatever. I thought about our, our side of the ball, right? Because we don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. and. Uh, Abuka, which I'd love to have those guys, don't get me wrong, but because we are so spread out in a positive way in distribution, wide receivers, tight ends, they're not go- the Iowa State defense is not going to be able to, I'm going to double team this or I'm going to lean this, I'm going to lean that way. They're going to have to play it straight up, and I trust that we, we have guys good enough to get open enough, like NFL open, let's call it, let's be real, they're not going to be college open, they're going to be NFL open, but Hartman has the ability to hit that spot and take advantage of one-on-one matchups. I do think Ohio State's going to play pretty run-heavy starting the game. I think they're going to expect Notre Dame to start running the ball. I would love if they throw the ball to make a statement, but I think they know Notre Dame wants to run the ball to open the passing game. Right, because everyone knows running the ball, they're going to start coming down, and that opens those deep shots. That opens um, the passing game when they're not anticipating the pass. Um, so I, that's how I anticipate our receivers getting open, not having that Marvin Harrison is get Audrey Gastemay getting an eight-yard rush, getting a five-yard rush, boom, quick slant to uh, Great House, boom, deep shot to Tyree. I don't know. It's it's going to be. I would love, love, love if we blew them out. I know that's not going to happen. Uh, I, I might if I had a score prediction. I, I've said this week thirty four twenty eight is my prediction. This but week. that's great. It's funny. But you know what mine is? What thirty twenty four Notre Dame. So same spread. Just, slightly, just a little higher. Yeah, yours a little higher. Uh, 
it's going to be. It's, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see how. I mean, uh, the moment of green jerseys at home, biggest game of the year. Who's going to step up, right? We need a big play to happen. One of my biggest pet peeves that this Notre Dame team has had this year is there's been about four or five fumbles, balls on the ground on defense that we haven't been able to jump on. I um, I said that in the Central Michigan uh, recap. Dude, when Thomas Harper lit up their quarterback, there is no reason why we don't get another. Like, how did we not recover that fumble? It's it's frustrating. We need to have some type of big play on defense in order to win this game. Um, personally, whether somebody steps up that's not supposed to, like a Benjamin uh, Morrison Clemson type feel, maybe Jaden Mickey, maybe Sam Hart. Like, I guess yeah, a turnover would be nice. But I, I I've said like, and you probably saw that if anyone says. Notre Dame's going to win by 20, or Ohio State's going to win by 20. Like, you're being ridiculous. It's yeah. the, the teams aren't too good. The only, only way that happens is if stuff you cannot plan for or account for happens. A defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown. But uh, turnovers are going to be something I, I'm looking for. But the only way the game does not stay within a touchdown, in my opinion, is if some fluky defensive touchdown happens that you just you can't plan for. Where yeah. Notre Dame goes down and scores, and then the very next possession, McCord throws a pick six, and okay, all of a sudden you got a 14-point game that you didn't anticipate. And that would, oh, yeah, it'd be beautiful. It'd be beautiful. But, yes, to your point, the, the, what you were saying, we have to we're, – we're causing havoc. We're – creating errors we just have to take advantage and actually fall the fumbled ball you know we get in a position to make the pick make the pick uh, it's, so, it's a lot of execution I don't know how to explain it there's a lot of like we're really good at generating pressure on the defense but we're not getting sacks so we're really good at pass deflections we're not getting picks we're really good at forcing fumbles we're not getting now, the, uh, I can tell you this: Cobble Court can't run worth the shit. Well, okay, that that might be extreme. Anybody from Ohio State listening, that might be extreme. But his running numbers just aren't there. Whereas I feel like we're, and even last week we were expecting Burt again. We were expecting Burt Manuel. We got fucking Ernie. Burt can run. Brendan Armstrong can run. I feel like. We got burned so many times, up to and including last year, Caleb Williams, with mobile quarterbacks, that there was this defined, very specific, like, do not let them run. So it was a more controlled rush to where your your goal isn't to get the sack. It's to don't let them run. Mm-hmm. And so that was the Brendan Armstrong approach. And it was supposed to be the Bird Emanuel approach, but then it became Jace Bowers, but we still kept the same kind of mentality. And I hope, because again, I haven't seen anything from McCord statistically or even from what I've heard and seen, he's not a running threat. He's not this he's not Michael Vick. He's not he's not gonna start running all over the place. He's from Mark Jackson, he gets like yeah. sixty. That that's not his thing. So we shouldn't have this for lack of a better term, this safe pass rush where 
I don't want to over-pursue and let him run. Go get him. And I'm not saying he's a statue. He's not He's not that immobile. He's not Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. But I think the pass rush, if he can get there, should result in sack because he's not the most yeah, elusive guy. In terms of mobility, I think not Lawrence. He's a little more mobile than that. I'd say a Justin Herbert type player. Yeah. Well, I, I'd even look at Sam Hartman. Okay, Sam Hartman has mobility. Is he a runner? No, not at all. He's better than Jack Cohn. I mean, that's that's true. It, Jack Cohn was as mobile as a traffic cone. It was terrible. <laughs> he would, he, him rushing for one yard or like ten yards was like the slowest ten yards. It was like in slow motion the whole time. You were just like, but it's it, it, something else I love about uh, Hartman that I don't know what Indiana or Youngstown State or Western Kentucky's quarterbacks look like. But one thing I love about Hartman is, unlike past Notre Dame quarterbacks, Ian Book, Tyler Buckner, etc., his eyes are downfield at all times. So even when he's being mobile, he's moving, he's still looking for that opportunity. He's not like, okay, well, that play's fucked. I'm running. No. Yeah. He doesn't put and his head down. He keeps his game. head up. What's that? Hence the Navy game. When he was about to get sacked, he ducked out of there, ran forward, and threw a touchdown to Greathouse. Right? He's keeping his eyes downfield. And that's what NFL caliber quarterbacks do. They don't uh, just... The the 50-whatever-yarder to Tyree. Again, was it North Carolina State, right? That was that game? Am I, am I correct in that? Where he escaped the pocket, was ro- running towards, like, uh, the bottom of the screen, towards the sideline, and then right yeah. over... It was North Carolina yeah. State, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, or, I think, was that, was that Tennessee State? That and that's what I'm saying. I, I know it wasn't Central Michigan, but either way, uh, it, it might have been. But either way, I could see a play like that being a huge momentum changer on Saturday night where there's pressure, but he moves, and Ohio State hasn't faced a quarterback who can move a little bit and still has the arm and the accuracy and the vision, and Hartman takes advantage, and you've got receivers who are expecting that and looking for that because we've seen it multiple times already this year. You know, you know, and, and little, little things. The uh, the one touchdown pass to Holden stays against North Carolina State. He rolled out right and kind of off his back foot, but he just dropped it right over. Right into it's funny because he overthrew Stays, a, a drive or two before that on that same play concept. Yeah. And he said, let me try that again. And he, he was pressuring his face, and he's like, I don't worry that. Yeah. Well, that, that was the first thing I noticed against Navy, uh, going all the way back to Navy. The, the first touchdown past the Great House, it was back-to-back plays. One to Colsey, one to Great House. Hartman stood in the pocket didn't flinch, didn't just in the pocket, boom, out route to Colsey on the money. Very next play, that little post route to Greathouse, oh, touchdown. God, that ball was beautiful. I know. But he, and granted, six years in college should teach you to be a little tough in the pocket. So, but that, but the, I feel like, okay, that, the Greathouse touchdown, Notre Dame Hartman to Greathouse against Navy. I feel like if that situation played out with Ohio State, is McCord ready for that? 
No. I don't think so either. And I just, because of experience. That's his first ever road start. It, first ever, his first ever start was last week. Of course it's his first ever road start. He's only had yeah. one. Because they were still undecided. It wasn't official against uh, Indiana and Youngstown State who the starter was. Was it McCord? Was it Brown? It's whatever. Like, McCord's finally the guy. But this is, yeah, this is his first road start. It's at Notre Dame, at night, in South Bend. Green jerseys, green lights, green shirts. It's going to be a tough environment. It's going to be fun. I I know I'm going to miss it. But it's it's okay. It's okay. Because if it goes exactly like Clemson last year, we're fine. We're good. Oh, yeah. We're good. You said you had some questions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to – thank you for segueing because that's where I was about to go. All right. Uh, you you follow It's Abby Be Happy, right, Dr. Abby, on Twitter? Do you follow her? Nope. Okay, you should. She's awesome. Yeah. She's awesome. But she wasted no time. Uh, and I'll, I'll do the one that doesn't require me to go away from us where you can't hear it. I'll start with the ones that you can actually answer. <laughs> so she says – it's happy, be happy. Hey, get us called. They don't like your free advertising each week with your Irish car bomb. What's your go-to beverage to chug or shoot now? So I'll ask you first. If you you, you can't you can't do anything with Guinness. What are you drinking pregame? What are you gonna shoot? What are you gonna do? Nah, call me stupid, but I love to get a shit ton of wings. Before a game, I like to have Sprite with my wings. I'm a Sprite drinker before the games. That's lame. I chugged me down some Sprite. <laughs> yeah. Well, all the, all the carbonation is going to make you pee. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I hold it because I, 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 I have a superstition. If Notre Dame's doing well, if I pee, maybe they won't do as good. That's yeah. Interesting. Okay, well. Uh, mine's mine's not Sprite, uh, and I I had two, I wrote down two because because I think about an Irish car bomb is while I'm not the best chugger of drinks it takes me uh, way too long, but it's a big drink it's fun it's all you got you drop in the shot it's it's a whole thing right, so yeah. I thought about sex with an alligator, like that was my. My first thought was, I'm going to do Sex with an Alligator because if you've ever seen the shot done properly, it's a layer of brown, which is Rasmataz, then Midori, green in the middle, and then at the bottom is Jägermeister. But it's it's green. It's got green in it. Like, how awesome is that? But it, that's just, it's a two-ounce shot. That's not all that crazy. Like, that's just your basic shot. You go and order at the bar. And you got to rely on the guy to layer it right to make it look good. Because if they don't layer it right, just the whole thing is brown and it's not the same. Like the whole point of the Sex with an Alligator shot is to get that layer of green in the middle to make it look cool. Yeah. And if you fuck it up, it looks like a yeah. shit brown and nobody wants that. So Alligator shit. Exactly. So my go-to would be a Wisconsin lunchbox. Do you have any idea what a Wisconsin? I've never heard of that. Wisconsin lunchbox. So is that milk? Is there milk or cheese involved? 
That's fine. You would think there is. You that's. You would think there is, but there is not. Okay. But there is there is a breakfast item involved. Hey. Hey. No, not quite. <laughs> so what it is is you orange have, juice. Orange juice. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You have a glass of beer. This is crazy. Okay. Check this out. You take it. And everybody listening, this is important because as important as layering the sex with an alligator, how you make this drink is equally as important. At least that's the way I understood it when I made it at the bar. You take the empty pint glass. You put the shot glass at the very bottom. You take Di Sirono or your favorite Amaretto, but Di Sirono is the best. You fill the shot glass at the bottom of the empty pint glass. With Di Sirono. Then you pour orange juice in till it reaches the rim of the shot glass, but not to go into the Di Sirono. Then you take whatever beer you want, but uh, dark beer seem to work best. So, like, you're from Texas, Scheinerbach, but a dark beer seems to work best. And you pour that in, and as soon as it hits the top of the glass. Drink it all. Just beer, orange juice, Di Sirono, Wisconsin lunchbox. I an alcoholic beverage before another Dame game. I usually go like with the twisted teas or the Bud Light seltzers, Mike's type thing. I'm that type of guy. I like the drinks that taste good. Uh, clearly, hey, I I'm telling you, Wisconsin lunchbox actually tastes pretty good. It, it's crazy. But the sweetness of a DiSerrano, the kind of tartness of the orange juice, and then again, the beer is kind of irrelevant. But dark beers seem to work better because they're a little bit tend to be a little bit thicker. So yeah. that same reason Guinness works with the Irish Carbon. It's a thicker beer, right? Yeah. So Sean is chugging Sprite and is going to get the burps and have to pee. I'm going Wisconsin Lunchbox with all types of goodness. All right, this one, I got a funny answer for it, but let's see what you got. It says, is the Wisconsin, or Wisconsin, see, now I'm thinking Wisconsin. Is the Buckeye, not, not Wisconsin Badger at all, is the Buckeye mascot more intimidating as a tree, which, by the way, it's not a tree, it's a nut. My buddy, yeah. who's an Ohio State fan, corrected me. Is the Buckeye mascot more intimidating as a nut or as a chocolate peanut butter candy? And now why this question from It's Happy Be Happy is relevant and funny is... Brutus the Buckeye came to her work and talked to them and apparently was handing out peanut butter candies of some kind shaped like Brutus the Buckeye. Now, so, is he more intimidating as an actual Buckeye nut or as a peanut butter candy? You know, whether whether he's a chocolate or a nut, we just know this, this weekend Notre Dame is about to bust that nut. I mean... I like that answer. And then bust that nut. Well, what I would say is, um, either way, he's uh, he's gonna kill some people because there's so many nut allergies <laughs> in America. I don't know if you guys know this, but nut allergies are a very real thing. Whether he's a Buckeye nut or a peanut butter candy, um, there's a large segment of our community that cannot have that, and he's a murderer. Let's just let's call it what it is. Would you, would you rather get uh, diabetes and potential swelling, or would you rather get a four-leaf clover and luck? Exactly. 
Or or death, because again, if you're my nephew who's allergic to peanuts, Buckeye Brutus the Buckeye could kill my nephew, and I'm not a fan of that. No, not a fan at all. So that that would, but Abby has a third question. We're gonna get there, but there was another one. Where is it at here? Uh, okay, th- this one you might know because I didn't even catch this. This is a legitimate football question okay. from. At Irish fan Rob, was the game versus North Carolina State officially longer than 60 minutes of regulation because of the second quarter restart? Did they totally restart the second quarter? I missed that if they did. No, no. They they resumed it with the time that was left, and that's why they shortened the halftime because of the delay. Okay. Yep. So it was whatever they the clock was stopped um, when it came to the delay, which I think the delay came from very early in the second quarter. Um, so I mean, if it seemed like it was restarted, it was because the delay happened very early. Then they shortened the halftime to ten minutes because of the two-hour delay. Okay. So that, that's why that, that question kind of the way you worded it confused me. It was like, was the game officially longer than sixty minutes? Of regulation because of the second quarter yeah. restart. No, it, it was still sixty. Yeah, that's what I thought, and uh, that was. It felt like I mean, the game started at twelve my time, and it ended at five thirty, yeah. five six o'clock. I, I so many stories, so many uh, afternoons got wrecked because of that delay. Luckily, mm-hmm. I had nothing going on that particular afternoon, so <laughs> during the delay. I did shots of Jameson. I, I was pretty well ready to go by the second quarter restart. So yeah, you were, uh, you were doing your alligator sexes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Okay, so this last one you're gonna have to you're gonna cut out for a second, but it is what it is. Again, from it's Abby, be happy. Thank you for the the triplicate questions, Abby. Appreciate you. You're awesome. Uh, she was in Dublin for the Notre Dame Navy game. She actually met my parents while she was out there. That was very awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, my parents were there too. Uh, but okay, her question, and let's see if you know the answer, Sean. Where does, which I didn't even say tonight. See, Abby, I got all excited about Sean coming on, and I was trying to rush through the CMU recap. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. All right, I said it an hour and a half into this thing. All right, where does watch me for the changes and try to keep up come from? Am I missing something? So do you know where that comes from? Repeat that. She asked me, where does watch me for the changes and try to keep up come from? Am I missing something? Do you know where I got that from? I say it every show. I don't. All right. Well, good news, bad news. You'll know the answer. You're not going to hear it right now because I have to go away from you to play the piece that answers the question. But this is exactly where watching for the changes and try to keep up comes from. I, I love music and I love movies. One of my favorite movies of all time is Back to the Future. But uh, 
Well, it, it's an oldie where I come from. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? <laughs> So that's where Watch for the Changes and Try to Keep Ups come from. It's from Back to the Future. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's relevant for me and my podcast simply because if you haven't figured that out, Sean, you've known me for a few years, more than that. Um, I will go off like if, if, it, if the highway was the path we're supposed to take, I take a lot of exits. I exit and I get back on, but you gotta you gotta exit with me. So detours are the way to go. I do. So watch me for the changes and try to keep up. You know, I uh, I'm a big movie person. Uh, my wife and I are big nerds. We love movies. Fun fact about me and my wife: we have a list of every single movie we've seen together. Hell yeah! Every movie we watch, we add to our list. Um. So for over the years, we have a whole notes on our phone of just movies, um, and it's awesome. But I will say that as much as I love movies and how many movies I've seen, I have never seen Back to the Future. Any of them? There's three? No, nope. I know there are, and they're classics, and I see a lot of classic movies. Dude. But I've never seen Back to the Future. But maybe I'll watch it just for you. 88 miles an hour? 1.28 gigawatts. I've never seen them. All right, I just know the car. Doc Brown. Brings them back in the DeLorean. Back to the future. All right. Oh my God. All right. So. All right. Well. How about this? How about you watch Notre Dame Ohio State on Saturday? You watch Notre Dame win. Thirty-four twenty-eight or thirty twenty-four, whichever happens. Okay. And then uh, Sunday, you watch one of the Back to the Futures. I highly recommend the first one because it is kind of important that you watch them in sequence. I would not watch the others without watching the first. Okay, just take it. No. <laughs> well, yeah, but watch, what, well so, some, some uh, sequels, you don't have to necessarily watch the first to understand the rest. This yeah, one you kind of do. You kind of do. You got to watch the original. Golly, so I could make all kinds of Back to the Future references and you would have no idea. Manure. I hate manure. That means nothing to you. Nothing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Now we're big Lord of the Rings fans. See, okay, now you've lost me. You said now I lost you. I've seen zero Um, of those. (laughs) I will say, if you want a movie recommendation, off topic, uh, one of my favorites is Prisoners. Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. um, Hugh Jackman. So watch that, and I'll watch Back to the Future. Prisoners. Yeah. I can, it's I about can. this uh, cop. Um, this guy's kid was kidnapped, and they're trying to find it. It's very well done. I, very I, I like it already. I'm writing it down, actually. I'm gonna, I'm writing. Yeah, Hugh Jackman's kid was kidnapped. Jay Joan Hall's a cop, and he's tracking down the guy that kidnapped his kid. Um, it's kind of dark, Oh, but very I, suspenseful. I, I – that – that sounds interesting already. I'm telling you, you're going to like Back to the Future, though. Hugh Jackman, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. 
Humpback Mountain, right? He's that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brokeback. Sorry, Brokeback Mountain. Bye, Brokeback. Yeah. Uh, Humpback Mountain. Humpback of, humpback of uh, Notre Dame. Back Mountain. Uh, uh, no. But, right. uh, yeah, the, the the last piece is just I'm, I'm going to, you know, miss the game. Um, I'm going to end with uh, another sample of some Ballyhoo music because if anything, you guys are going to enjoy Ballyhoo as much as I do. That's That'll be my goal. But, dude, we went, we went a long time. Me and you, we went an hour and 40-ish minutes. Uh, it was awesome. It was, it was good because, dude, I, I talk to myself for an hour at a time when I do these things. So having another face and voice to bounce ideas off of and get input, it was fantastic. Thank you so much. Guys, please follow uh, Sean. Plug yourself. Go. Follow me at N underscore D underscore four underscore E underscore V underscore. No, I'm just kidding. Follow me at ND Forever on Twitter. You can just search that up, and I'm sure you find me. Um, not to brag, I have a few thousand followers. Gosh. Um, so, yeah, give me a follow. Um, you know, talk the more you want to do these. I'd love to guest host. Um, so, for big games or every few games, if you want me to just hop on for an occasional episode, you know, I'd be more than happy to. So, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for showing me how easy this actually was. I was, I'm not tech savvy at all. And the simplicity of this, outside of the fact that when I go to my little, my sound bites that are internet related, you don't get to hear shit. But otherwise, this whole thing worked out very well. But uh, do follow Sean, guys. He He's very good about reposting I, I, I started saying it and I hate that I'm saying it. He's good at retweeting. It's Twitter. We're tweeting. We're tweeting. Retweeting. We're not reposting. And sh- we're Xing. Yeah, we're Xing. Whatever. But he's really good at retweeting uh, commitment announcements, um, important news and notes about Notre Dame football that uh, I don't always get to. Um, he's really good about that. So do follow him. You'll get good information. Uh, and as you can see, he's very level-headed. He understands football. He's realistic about Notre Dame football. And he loves them just as much as we do. But he he keeps it within reason. He provides logic, reasoning, and facts. Can't argue yeah. with that. I, w- I will say that uh, let it be known that it took me and Polk about 30 minutes to figure out how to get the screen to work. So, hey, that's a secret. That <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it did take a minute. Holy smokes, it took a minute. There was no sound. There was sound. And we had a switch. We, oh, my goodness. Keep calling on the phone. Like, can Dude, you hear me now? Nope, it, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. We were definitely the Verizon guys. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And the, there's no IT department to call. So we had to figure this out. And we did. And uh, the saddest part was the last five minutes was literally me seeing him with no sound, couldn't figure it out, and I just had to click a single button. (laughs) And there we go. So, but uh, this was a great time. Uh, Sean, thank you so much. Uh, Appreciate it. I'm going to wrap this up with uh, my Ballyhoo send-off and 
you will see me again. Well, you'll see what I say on Twitter, but I will be doing an Irish car bomb. If you haven't voted, go to add five for nothing pod. Search, I don't know what the hell, search IBC at home, I get or ICB at home. But because uh, I, the what I'm doing this weekend is a music festival. Probably going to be in downtown Corpus Christi somewhere in the neighborhood of 4 o'clock. So do I do the Irish car bomb at home in my green Irish jersey? Or do I do it traditionally an hour, half hour before kickoff, which will entail me being at some random bar in a Ballyhoo basketball jersey? So that's the poll. Now, at this point, last time I checked, it was damn near 50-50. Now, if that happens, well... What would you What would you do, Sean? What do you think I would do if it's fifty fifty? Or, I mean, if you're watching the Notre Dame game that night after on record, you could also do it after. But I'll do it at the the bar. See, that's what's likely going to happen. But if it's close enough to fifty fifty, saying it now on a Wednesday night in McAllen, Texas, I'm doing both before the game and at the bar. I mean, dude, so the the Ballyhoo band, they, they're Jameson boys, and I know this, or guys, they're not boys, they're guys. Jameson guys because, well, I've had multiple shots of Jameson with them, and I've played golf with one of the band members. I've hung out with him after their sets. So ideally, and I, got, I have his number, I got to text him to see what their plan is. I know their sound check is at 1.30 that day. So golf's out of the question because it really it, – it's just not going to work. Uh, the – it's just it, – there's no way we can get around to golf and him get over and do a sound check and all that shit. But the best thing in the world will be is if he's got this window because they're not going on stage till about 9 o'clock that night. He does the Irish car bomb with me. That's, that's the dream right there. Get him – to do it with and you know, I mean, of course, I'll do my uh, sprite chugging too. Yes, chug my sprite, post it. I'm a throat burn, biggest burp you've ever heard. Um, and I'll have to pee right after. That's how we'll do it. <laughs> there you no, go. I, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would do it during the both. I mean, both. I like the idea, but if you can get him to do it with you, Dude. forget the poll. I would do it with him. right. So I, I gotta, I gotta reach. His, I'm gonna, I'm gonna text him tomorrow because he should have a better idea. Their first show, they the tour just kicked off tonight, um, so they'll probably have a better idea of what their days are gonna be like. However, the the Corpus show is a festival where the other ones are just your standard concerts that start yeah. seven o'clock and they they're the headliners and whatever. This one's an all-day festival, multiple bands. It, they're closing down a half a street in Corpus. The main stage is being built in a parking lot. So that's cool. Yeah, dude, it's it's gonna be awesome. Like and that 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 I can't replay. Like you can't record that and experience it after the fact. Notre Dame, Ohio State, I can. So is what it is. But and obviously, he's uh, not a. A fake Notre Dame fan for missing the bigger game of the season. He's gonna watch it, right? Oh, after. dude, yes, and and I I will I, hand to God, I will be 
not looking at my phone. I will silence all notifications. I will know zero things about this game. I will force text to you, touchdown Notre Dame, touchdown Ohio State. No, I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah, I would not do that. That'd be the worst thing in the world. Hey, hey, I know I have like 1,700-something, almost 1,800 followers, uh, but I know a small segment of that listens to this podcast. But if you are listening and you do have my direct contact information like Sean does, Please do not message me between the hours of 6.30 and 10.30. Or fuck, no, 6.30 p.m. on Saturday to 6.30 p.m. on Sunday. Just, just don't message yeah. the whole weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Until whole weekend, I, I, when I, I will post on Twitter and tag all the people I know, including you, uh, Sirens and Shamrocks. I have watched the game. Feel free to tell me what you want to tell me. So, dude, Sean, thank you so much. I know it's midnight your time, so... Uh, tell, don't tell me how tomorrow goes yet. I, I want to be surprised. Uh, tomorrow. It's already midnight. You're already, it's already tomorrow for you. It's Thursday, right? Yeah. So tomorrow's Friday. Well, no. It's Thursday for you. It's still Wednesday for me. Don't tell me about Thursday. I want to be surprised. I want to be surprised. I know. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's my dad joke time zone humor. Because you're an hour ahead of me. I get it, but the time zone, I mean, oh, I think you were talking about the game. No, yeah, no, just the time zone. Oh, yeah, I get it. Uh, all right. I, yeah, my dad, so my dad was in Ireland. He called me an idiot. He was in Ireland, and I said, Dad, don't tell me what happens. I want to be surprised. I want to watch the game. He, and he called me an idiot because it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I was like, well, I know it doesn't, but my eight-year-old doesn't. He thinks it's, he's like, what? Oh, yeah. That was the biggest jet lag I've ever had in Ireland. <laughs> it was bad. No, you got to stay up. You got to power through the first night. Yeah, we're going to Thailand in January, and we had the second longest flight in the world um, of 17 and a half hours to go there to Singapore. So I don't even know what we're doing there. But Good. I won't message you with the Notre Dame game. All right. I'll talk to you after. Oh, Appreciate it, man. Good luck and enjoy the game. I'll talk to you soon. Go Irish. Yes, sir. Go Irish. Bye, buddy. All right. Hope you all enjoyed uh, Sean uh, at Indy Forever. He's a he's a good dude. We've recorded in the past, and you know, uh, yeah, that was a fun time. We've been going really long. I know we've been going long. We've been going, like, too long. Like, I'm pretty sure we've been going too long. So, I'm going to end it here. I'm not going to see Notre Dame Ohio State live. Please, please don't bother me. Like, I, I, I want to watch the game live. I really do, guys. Like, that was way too early. Um, I want to watch the game live. For me. So, I'm going to be fucking rocking out to Ballyhoo. All right? And I'm leaving you with this. This is where I'm going to be while... Let's see if I can predict some shit. How awesome would this be? So, you figure Notre Dame, Ohio State, around 9, 9.30 will probably be... We'll say 9.30. That's going to be late early fourth quarter 
I'm going to say Estime is going to be scoring a touchdown around the time I'm listening to this because this is kind of a Ballyhoo staple for live shows. Stranded on a desert road in America Waiting for the zone truck to come and pick us up Pedal to the metal, we got a fucking show I guess we should have stopped for guessing fucking miles ago I had a vision, I was at a ray of desert ball Next day, 10,000 people screaming, whoa I never thought that we'd encounter such adversity The road is unforgiving, these masses never see The tire blow out of the tent Hear the screams of the road man this might be the end The best part of the song. And the best part about that part is there's a pause, moment of silence, if you will. Or how we lead singer. Make sure everybody's aware that we're going to all scream. Fuck yeah. In unison. As a group. With love. So. While you guys are watching Notre Dame Ohio State. Our new screaming fuck yeah. Hopefully at the same time you're screaming fuck yeah. Because Audric Estime. Is running through the end zone. With the football in his hands. For a Notre Dame touchdown. Because. I love Audrey Gestime. All right, guys. We've gone, what, two and a half hours almost. One of the longest shows I've ever done. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I enjoyed it. Um, we got to make this Saturday count. So go to saturdayscount.com. Enter the promo code ND5. Get one T-shirt. Get one free. Buy one, get one free. No better offer on the planet. And it's only so many Saturdays. You got to make them count. So get the shirt that says that. Only so many Saturdays. Make them count. Greatest tagline in college football history. Go there. Check it out. Find me at 5 for nothing Pod on Twitter. Email me 5 for nothing Pod at gmail.com. Uh, share this podcast. Like it. Give me all the ratings at whatever platform. I appreciate it all. Um. Uh, this is fun for me, guys. This really, truly is fun. It's a blast. And now that I know how to do guests very easily, and that might be a thing. We could start a thing. So I appreciate Sean. It's <sighs> all I got. Thank you for tuning in. Go Irish. Beat Buckeyes. Five for nothing. 100 nothing. Out.